don't hold back emotion for the thought of what somebody else might think of them. And uh, Anita, if you'll put that picture up there. I took this picture on Wednesday night, and the altars are full. The altars are full because they have a yearning and a lust for God. They want to draw to Him. They want to learn more about Him. And I'll be honest with you, these kids get their friends to come pray with them. And they cry together. And they pray together because that's how God designed it to be. And I seen one little boy, he, was, he cried and he cried, but Wednesday night we had three salvations because they have a desire to seek out the Lord. I wish as adults we could be more like them. Not to think about what the person next to us is going to think if we go to the altar to cry because we're struggling in life. Because I'll tell you, the person sitting next to you in that pew has struggles of their own. And as much as we don't want to admit it or as much as we try to cover it up or, or bury it down, we've got struggles. That's why we're here. We're a broken people and God is the only one that can make us whole. And those kids sought holiness. God says you should seek it. Seek holiness because I am holy. And be righteous because I am righteous. And I just can't say enough about our youth group and, and the teachers and the things that are going on in our church. If you don't see it on Sunday and you want to see energy and you want to see vibrance and you want to see the Lord work, come see hearts that are willing to serve. Come see hearts that are willing to worship. Come see hearts that don't feel judged by the people sitting next to them, but know that if they go up and they grab their hand, they're not going to jerk it back, that they're going to go pray with them. He says, come all the little children. And I believe that this is why. It's such a blessing to see um, the youth coming together. That's why I want the vans on Sunday. That's why I want them here because they bring energy and they bring a pure heart. Anybody ever been called fat by a little kid? They don't say it to be mean. They don't. They have no negative intentions about it. They just say what they see. And that pureness is something that we all need to, to strive for. Not that I guys want you guys to tell me that I'm fat after service because that would just be hurtful because I know you're doing it on purpose. But the pureness that they serve with, the prayers that they pray, you ever heard a little kid pray? You know, I mean, I've heard kids pray for chocolate, but man, it's from the heart. It's what they're thinking about. So I just wanted, I wanted to share this picture because I took this Wednesday night and it just means so much that our altars are still getting used and our altars are still getting tears falling on them because we want to see a land changed. Look what the Ninevites did. We talked about that a little bit this morning, but from top to bottom, they dressed in sackcloth and they repented of their sins. They didn't allow their animals to eat or drink. 
That's how we change our land. From top to bottom, we rededicate our lives to the Lord and we give it to Him and we relinquish what we think is what we have as power and authority and we start seeking the Lord God, the only one that has salvation waiting for us. He says, if you'll seek me, I'll heal your land. And He proves it. And He never breaks His promises. God is not a liar. He says, hey, if you'll seek me, I'll heal it. Because he was going to destroy them. He was going to destroy them. But they changed. They had a change of heart. And I believe if every church, every Sunday was like this, with the pureness of heart, that our land would start changing. I believe it. We're going to start on that today. We're going to start on that today. If you would, please bow your heads with me. Let's, let's go to the Lord in word of prayer. Gracious Heavenly Father, Lord God, I'm so thankful for the opportunity, Lord, to be here. Lord, I'm thankful for just giving us a light through your children. Um, God, I am never unexpectedly amazed, Lord, at, at their pureness of heart. God, I pray that today you would put that pureness inside of all of us, Lord, that desire, that burning fire, Lord, that we would seek you like never before. God, that we would humble ourselves before you, that we would turn our backs against the sin of our lives, God, and, and face fully towards you. God, and start reaching after you and walking after you and desiring after you and talking after you. God, that our whole hearts might be dedicated to serve you. Lord, I pray that we see it as an opportunity to be here this morning, Lord, that I believe this was by design, by your holy design, that everybody that is here this morning is here for a purpose. And God, through your power and your grace and your shed blood, you give us the power and authority to overcome the evilness in our lives. By your blood, it is bound. Lord, we're thankful to gather here in a country, Lord, that still allows us to gather freely. Lord, I pray that if the day ever comes, Lord, that you would give the boldness and courage for us to take a stand. Lord, I pray that you would bless every family represented here this morning, and be it the ones that aren't, God, for whatever reason that they're not here. Lord, I just pray that your spirit would fall on them. Lord, that your spirit would fall here and fill this place, that there wouldn't be any other thoughts of things to come, but God, just thoughts of you. Lord, fill our hearts and minds this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As I was praying this week, God started speaking to me in a parable because I'm pretty simple-minded and that's how he has to do it a lot of times. But he started showing me the difference between fake flowers and real flowers. I know oftentimes we, we decorate and even at my house, Misty has what she calls greenery that's fake and sets and does whatever it does, collects dust mainly. And I thought about those, and it, you know, there's something to be said about it. They always look the same. You know, these wreaths that hang up back here by, by now, Nancy, had we picked those flowers and actually made those wreaths, you know, they would be shambled and, and dead. But he also showed me that they always look the same. They always look the same. They never grow. They never shrink and they never die. 
Because they never had life. Though they look good, they appear good, right? Sometimes they, they look better than the real thing. But that's all they do is they look good. They don't have a purpose besides looking good. And sometimes I think we get caught up in, in that in our own lives that we just we want to make everybody think that everything's okay. We want to appear good, right? You could be crushed on the inside and walk into somewhere and, and somebody say, how's it going? And you could barely fight back the tears, but what are you going to say? I'm fine. Everything's okay. I'm doing good. But on the inside, your heart's breaking. You're being torn into pieces. But the facade that we fight is that we have to be okay, right? Everybody expects you to be okay because very few people in your life actually ask you if you're okay wanting a real explanation and willing to take the time to talk to you if you need somebody to talk to. We don't want to bind ourselves to that conversation, right? You're in the grocery store and you're shopping. Oh, hey, how are you doing? Bad. Okay. You know, I got stuff. I got to go get the cucumbers. Sorry. You know, we don't, want to, we don't want to obligate ourselves to actually take time to have a real conversation with one another, but that's a fake flower. I'm being fake. I just want to look good to you. I want to ask you how you're doing and not really care, but that way I can say, yeah, I talked to them the other day, asked them how they was doing, they was fine, because we want people to think we care. Right? I'm going to step on a few toes today, and this message is not an easy one. It stepped as much on mine and hurt me on the inside as much as I don't want to be a fake flower. Sometimes I am. And so when we get into fake flowers, one of the notes I said, I'm just going to read you my notes. It says they always look the part, but they're never ready to play the role. See, flowers have roles, right? They, they have a role in nature. They're a part of nature. Some supply food. You know, and bees use flowers. I'm not a scientist or a biologist, but flowers have roles. And fake flowers are always just surface level. See, they don't have to grow roots. They don't need dirt because they're never going to dig deeper. They're never going to grow bigger. And any storm that comes by is just going to blow them over. But guess what? Somebody will stand them back up. The next storm that rolls through, it blows them over again, and they're tossed to and fro by the weather or their surroundings. I wrote down here, they don't need roots because they find freedom in the ability to go along with the storm. We talked about accountability this morning in Sunday school a little bit. See, the freedom and ability to flow along with the storm is the freedom and ability to indulge in sin when you want to. They're not rooted. They're rocked by the ship because if, if the storm comes along and they want to go with the flow and ride out that sin, that's what they do. See, they're not bound by roots. They're not attached to anything. They're self-contained. They never offer anything to anybody else besides what they appear. So they don't have life, so they don't give life. 
They have no substance. And so they offer nothing to anybody around them besides what they appear to be. See, these are called imitations. And I believe today that's why a lot of Christians are called hypocrites. Because they see them in the church on Sunday, but they also see them in the bar Friday night. They also see them in road rage conflicts and, and the way they combat non-believers or, or people that believe in homosexual marriage or the way that they confront sin is way out of context the way Jesus confronted sin. See, they want the, the label, they want the name of being a follower of Christ, but they don't want the responsibility and the guidelines that they have to be in. Hypocrisy. Fake flowers. Let's talk about real flowers. You know, Wednesday night, the Lord laid a word on my heart about how we should walk after Christ, and one of them is how that should look. What should that look like? If you're walking after Christ, what should that look like? Well, the Bible gives definitions of what that should look like. It tells us plainly and specifically in here the things we should and should not be doing when we confront people of sin, when we confront our own sin, and when we're trying to help others. The Bible talks about it. See, a real flower seeks light because they know that their survival depends on how much light they're exposed to. Amen? I'm going to say it again. A flower, a real flower, seeks out the light because their life depends on it. Who lives like that? You think we're so much different than flowers? God even compares us to the flowers of the field. Seek out the light because it is vital to your life. We don't see it that way. We use it when it's convenient. Right? We want to open up the Bible and read it when it's convenient because if we've got something else to do, obviously that's way more important than getting into God's Word. Because our lives are so busy and me and Misty were sitting back in the month of March looking at April going, oh my. April is packed. We've got something every weekend and at least three nights a week. It gets hard in that mess to still do what you need to do. To still seek the light when we're supposed to seek it. I'm going to go to John chapter 8, verse 12. I wrote John chapter 18, but I believe it is John chapter 8. It says, Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that follows me shall not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. The Pharisees therefore said unto him, Thou bearest record of thyself. Thy record is not true. 
Jesus answered and said unto them, Though I bear record of myself, yet my record is true. For I know whence I came and whether I go, but you cannot tell whence I come and whether I go. See, he's talking to the Pharisees and he's saying that I am the light of this world. That's as true today as it was back then. Jesus is the light, and if you want to grow, and if you want to flourish, and if you want to have life, you have to seek the light. See, you're not going to grow towards righteousness and pureness in the dark, because nothing can grow in darkness. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 11... It says, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of the darkness, but rather reprove them. Don't even dabble in the darkness because there's nothing there for you. The sin of this world offers you nothing. It offers you a field of fake flowers that lead to death. There could be no fruit produced in the darkness. You can't help anybody there. You can't talk with anybody there. The only thing that you're going to do in the darkness is share the darkness with other people. It's all you're going to do there. You're going to bring other people into that darkness with you. You can't help from the dark. But see, that's where fake flowers come in because it doesn't matter if they're in the light or in the darkness. They always look the same because they're superficial. They're not real. But see, I'm affected by darkness. You can tell whenever I've dabbled in darkness. Because my life is affected by it. As is yours. We all want to play the game like sin doesn't affect us. Or that sin doesn't bother anybody besides me. That's one of the biggest lies there is out there. Sin doesn't affect anybody besides me. That, what I'm doing, doesn't affect anybody else. It just affects me. Anybody ever heard that? Anybody ever said that? I have. But see, darkness affects everything. So that's why he tells us, he says, don't even go there. There's nothing for you there. There's no life in it. You can't grow there. Why would you want to be there? Sometimes we want to be there so we can't see ourselves, right? Nobody wants to look in the mirror. Man, that's hard. Anybody ever committed sin and then not felt like praying? Man, I've been there. But that's how darkness sucks you in because it wanna takes what light that you have and pull it away from you because darkness doesn't want you to grow. Darkness doesn't want you to bloom or bear fruit or be productive. Darkness wants to take away everything that you have. It wants to take your family, your church, your community, it wants to rip you down and make you feel alone. Because even when you're in darkness with other people, you can't see them. It is a dark place. It is lonely. That's where people get with depression and anxiety and sinful life nature. It pulls you into a place where you feel so alone and disconnected from everything else, seeing that I can't even see any light. It sucks you in. The second thing I wanted to hit on about real flowers is they desire root growth. 
right? To sustain themselves above the surface, they have to grow beneath the surface. You ever seen a tree on the riverbanks where the rivers got up and it washes out all the dirt and all the roots are running in one direction because that's where it's preserving life from? It grows in the direction of life because it's trying to sustain itself. It's trying to hang on with its every being reaching out beyond where it could ever reach into places it thought it could never grow. But it's always reaching towards life. See, God's creation, we can take all these things that God is showing us and you can say that there is a God in heaven and that He is the life because look at how things grow. They always grow towards the light. Flowers turn as the sun moves. Grass bends as the sun moves across the sky. Why? Because it's always aiming towards the light. I know that you've seen those L-shaped trees in the woods. You can go along and you can break a tree this big down here and it will continue to grow up because that's where the light is. It strives to be in the light because it knows that's where life is. See, if it continues to grow across the ground and, and get covered up with leaves, it will die because there's no life in darkness. You have to be well-rooted to survive the storms and the droughts of life. Anybody ever pray and feel like it's going about this far? Man, you just, you can't, you just can't feel it. God, I can't feel you here. God, where are you at? God, I need you. We all go through those times. We all go through those times where we can't feel God or we don't feel as close as what we were or where we want to be in those, those times. But in those times, that's where our roots sustain our life. Because we know what God's promises say and we know what His hope is to give us a future and a hope and that we have a mansion over the hilltop that's waiting just beyond the mountain. We just got to climb it. And our roots are what sustain us when the light gets dim. And when there ain't no water. See, I was talking about the fake flowers being thrown around. They just go along with whatever comes their way. That's what the world is doing. We want to slowly accept more and more sin and, and call it right. Or at least acceptance. If they can just get us to accept it, we don't have to tell them that it's right. But if we can just allow them to do it, the next step is, is that you'll be calling it the right way. And don't think that it ain't creeping in. It's getting closer. You know, usually in the Midwest, we're the last things to kind of get stuff. We're a little smaller, a little less publicized down here. But eventually it gets here, and guys, it's getting here. There's rules in schools being trying to be passed, dorm rooms trying to mix them up. It's not okay. It's not okay. And if you want to survive these storms, if you want to stand while the world's getting darker, you best believe that your roots better be getting deeper. You better be well anchored because the storm is getting bigger and it's coming. 
He didn't say, once you accept my blood atonement, life is going to be easy. He, in fact, he said it's going to be the opposite because he said they hated me, therefore they're going to hate you. They're going to hate where you take a stand. They're going to call you a racist. They're going to call you sexist. They're going to say you're judgmental because you decided to take a stand because they fear you. See, the darkness wants nothing to do with the light. And if the light takes a stand, darkness cannot infiltrate it. See, where there is light, there cannot be darkness. There is a complete and utter separation of light and darkness. Either there is light or there is not. So if the people of light, if the real flowers of the world take a stand and say, this is where I draw the line, this is where I take a stand, darkness cannot overcome light. God writes it in his word. Wait till tonight when you get home and flip off every light switch in your house. It is only dark because you turned off the light. See, wherever you decide to grow and wherever you decide to be a light, there will be light. It doesn't matter however dark everything is around you. If you are the only light, you still are light. And we have to have it. We have to have light for growth and it's as matter above the surface as much as it is below the surface because if you get out there and you are standing alone and it gets dark and it gets desperate you can still stand because you know the promises of God because your roots have grown deeper over time they have widened out they can sustain the storms of life because you have desired the light amen do you desire the light like everything else in God's creation desires light? Hebrews chapter 6, verse 18. It says that by two immutable things to which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope that is set before us, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which endureth into that within the veil. He gives us a hope to lay hold of. He gives us an anchor. You know, I believe he talked a lot about fishing because they were on the shores and they'd done a lot of fishing. And remember when Jesus was sleeping on the boat and the guys were up above and the, the storm came and they were, it said they were afraid for their life. His disciples were afraid for their life. There's a couple things in that. How bad would the storm have been that these fishermen that had endured a lifetime of storms were afraid. I don't know if people caught that. These people had been on boats their entire life. That's what they did. They fished for a living. But the storm was so bad that they feared for their life. And where'd they turn? To the anchor. 
to the roots that brought them life because they knew that in him he could do the work. See, they got past all their sailing capabilities and they had a bunch. Remember, they grew up as fishermen. Their dads trained them. They were probably multi-generational fishermen. So they had a vast knowledge of the sea and of storms and winds and water currents in their boats. But it got beyond their capabilities, beyond their survival. So they went to their roots. They went to their anchor. And Jesus said, why are you fearing? And with words he stopped the winds. And with words he stopped the rain and calmed the sea. These aren't just fictitious stories. These are battle weapons. They're weapons for anchoring yourself when, when hard times of life come along. The roots, and if you don't know these stories, you have no roots, you have no depth. These things toss you about to and fro, it says. As young men, you get tossed to and fro. Whatever comes along, it takes you in its current or in its wind. I hope that my anchor is big enough that people can hold on to me while they're developing their own. Because see, it's not just about me. It's about everybody in here. It's about everybody out there. We talked too this morning to people that aren't saved really know what they're missing. I believe that some do and some don't. I believe that some do they know that God is calling them and they just don't want to be called. I believe that some people just fill a void and they don't know what to fill it with. But I'm telling you today that the storm is coming. That's a promise. The storm is coming. The question is, are you going to have roots to withstand it? Are you going to sustain life through the darkness, through the drought, through the winds, through the overabundance of rain? Are you going to overcome by the life that God gives? Are you going to overcome by hope that is our anchor through these storms? See, a lot of people want to say yes. See, a lot of people want to call out the name of Jesus, and Jesus even tells us that a lot of people are going to say, Lord, we work these things in your name. I serve the sick, and I serve the homeless, and I gave my money away, all in your name. I said, yeah, that's great. You did great things. You were a great person. But you didn't know me. You didn't have roots. Depart from me. That verse probably hurts me the most of any verse in the Bible because I think a lot of fake flowers are going to get to heaven thinking they're okay, but they didn't have the roots that gave them life. Sure, they looked pretty sitting in church praying before meals, maybe even out in public, but never pray in their own home. But 
Church ain't going to get you there. You've got to have roots. You've got to be seeking the light. Because if you always stay in darkness, it says you have no part of light. Because like I said, they can't mix. You can't have darkness and light. See, he prepares us for the storm. I wasn't going to read in Samuel, but I am. I'm going to read in Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 17. We're going to talk about David. And this is the same David that went and fought Goliath, but there was a precept to the story that you may have not heard about. Everybody heard about David versus Goliath and how this young man killed a giant. But see, he had roots that grew before that. He had a testing of faith that grew before that. That was the end result of living a life of faith. To living a life that he was called to live. To seeking out the Lord and the things that he attended to. 1 Samuel chapter 17, starting in 33. says, And Saul said to David, Thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him, for thou art but a youth. And he, a man of war, from his youth. And David said unto Saul, Thy servant kept his father's sheep. And there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went after him, and I smote him, and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and smote him and slew him. Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear. And this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. There was a lost sheep. And David went after him. He said he got the sheep, they dropped it, and he got it, and when they rose against him, he killed them. said, this man ain't nothing. This storm is not anything because I've been through storms. I've resisted the weather because my roots have grown deeper and deeper as I got older and older and I have sought the Lord. And this man is not of God. And I am and I will go forth and I will kill him by the power of the God that I serve. But he had roots planted before he ever got there. You can't expect to go up the biggest storm you've ever seen without having roots. There's some situations you don't want to get into without having a little bit of experience. But see, God equipped David for this moment. I love that song that said, Yes, here I am, Lord. Send me, Lord. Three of the hardest words you will ever say in your life. Because that is open-ended without restriction. See, we want to say it. We want to say, yeah, Lord, I'm, I'm your servant. I gave my life to you. Yep. But we never want to grow from there. We never want to step outside of ourselves. See, these plants in these pots up here will only get so big because they're confined by the pot they set in. If you want to stay narrow-minded and small, you can. But your roots will only grow so deep. 
You have to allow God to plant you somewhere where you can bloom and you can produce fruit. I think we forget about that, that God requests us to produce fruit. Not just stay where you are, not shallow-rooted, not seeking life. Salvation is the beginning of your walk, not the end. You come to church to get fueled, not to look pretty. You come to Sunday school so that your roots can get deeper, so that you can face the storms, not in this, well, maybe in this building, but outside of this building, hopefully. Because it's coming. I don't want to be caught off guard. I don't want to be weak. It says put on the full armor of God. I don't want my armor to be shining when I get to heaven. I want it to be marred up and dented and roughed up because I used it. Because that means that I helped go after that sheep. That means that I stood my ground as the fiery darts of the devil sought after me to destroy me. But see, we lack roots in our Christian walk today. We lack the ability to take a stand because we don't want to be called names. We don't want to be sought as such. We don't want to be called a hypocrite. They can call you whatever they want, but if you talk the talk and back it up by the walk, they can say whatever they want to, and God says they will be the ones that look foolish. See, people have talked bad about me for the things that I say. I've had people say, well, I didn't think so, because I know who you are. It matters the way you walk. It matters how deep your roots are, and it matters that you're seeking the light. Salvation is the beginning of your seeking for light. I don't want to sing the song, I saw the light. I want to sing the song, I'm seeking the light. Continually, day after day, I'm picking up my cross. It says, I'm getting rid of myself because I'm less than I should be, and I'm striving towards more than I want to be. But you've got to want to be. See, saying, here I am, send me, is not an easy thing to say. Without restriction, without borders, that is one of the hardest things that I've ever said in my life. Look where it got me. But it's been an amazing journey. And the growth hasn't just affected me. My grandma drove 30 miles from Mountain Home this morning. I sat here with my wife and my kids and my mom and my dad. My in-laws came the other day. Your walk doesn't just affect you. When your roots are strong and you can withstand the storm, people take notice as the wind's carrying them by. What's happening? Why are they standing still? What are they standing for? And they'll start to ask you questions. When the altars were open up here on Wednesday night, I had kid after kid after kid asking questions, and there was more and more adults that had to come forward because of all the questions. They're seeking light. They want to grow. How do I get planted so my roots can start growing? God prepared David 
for his battle. He will prepare you to whatever he's called you to. I want you to understand, I preached for a year and a half, never reading the Bible all the way through. It wasn't about my knowledge. It wasn't about my abilities as a speaker. It wasn't who I was as a person. It was everything to do with him and the fact that I just said yes. I still don't stand up here under my own authority. If he wants me out of here, I'm not coming back next weekend. Sorry. But he has made me everything that I am so I can't abandon him when he calls on me. Because he has never abandoned me. He has never left me. And to think that I could walk this life on my own is selfish. Because I'm not that righteous. And I'm not that holy. And I'm not that good of a person. But when I start seeking the light, my blooms become more vibrant. My walk gets better. My life gets better. My family gets better. My church gets better. My community gets better. Everything around me gets better because of how deep my roots get. Because I have an effect on the environment that surrounds me. And I want to point everything and everyone that I can towards the light that gave me life. And I may never ever get to say one word to them. But if they can see me walk consistently and not just show up to a church pew on Sunday, but actually live the life that I'm talking about. Caitlin on Friday night stood right here to a bunch of teenagers and talked to them about sexual immorality and how it affected his own life and the things that he was doing to fix it. You don't do that for self-righteousness. You do that for humbleness because you're here to serve the Lord God who is greater than you. Right? We don't want to talk about the things that are embarrassing. Dang, heaven forbid we overcome something by talking with somebody else about it. In John chapter 15... John chapter 15. Starting in verse 1. It says, I am the true vine, and my father is a husbandman. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purges it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Fruit. These look great now. They'll never get any better. They are what they are right now. They're never going to grow. The roots are never going to get deeper. They're never going to produce more blooms. They're never going to get prettier. I don't know about you all, but I want to be prettier than what I am right now. Not just physically, but spiritually. I want to be better. I want to be better tomorrow than I was today. And I want to be better on Tuesday than I was Monday and Wednesday than I was Tuesday. I want to strive towards the light. I want to have more blooms. I want my roots to get deeper. I want to grow. 
We have a lack of growth in our church today. God calls us to grow. He wants us to grow. He expects us to grow. Paul's come back and said, you guys should be teachers by now. But here I am. I've got to start all over again. Because you haven't grown. You're still at the base level. You're still seeking meat, milk, when you should be eating meat by now. You want to get to the starting line because it looks great before you run a race. It feels great to line up at a starting line. You can wave at your family and you can wave at your supporters, but the whole race is before you. See, salvation is the beginning of your race. He says the ones that can endure to the end of your race. That means you're starting somewhere. You start at salvation to endure the rest of your life. It's a starting point. He says... With it, you will start bearing fruit. If you seek after me and your roots get deeper in any kind of weather, in any kind of storm, you can bear fruit because of the life that I gave you. Anybody feeling this today? Is it hurting anybody's toes yet? It hurt me all week. You guys only get it for an hour. Verse 3 is very important. It says, Now you are clean through the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can you, except you abide in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches. He that abides in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit, for without me you can do nothing. If a man abides not in me, he is cast forth as a branch and is withered, and men gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you shall ask what you will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified that you bear much fruit. So shall you be my disciples." I don't want to be a fake flower. I don't want to just stand up here and look pretty for everybody. Misty calls me eye candy, but just kidding. She never calls me that. <laughs> but guys, it's time to get real. It's time to get real. If you've got questions on, man, I just, I don't feel it. Come ask somebody. Where can I be involved? And I'm not just saying this because we have positions available. I'm saying this because as a church, as a whole, we've forgotten to grow deeper and grow spiritually and get closer to God. We've forgotten. We've forgotten what it's like to dig down. He says it's going to hurt. You're going to have scars. You might be like Jacob and even walk away with a limp after wrestling with an angel. We've got to learn how to grow so we can survive the storm that is coming. The storm is coming. There's no way around it. The storm is coming. If you would stay in today.
The storm is coming. Are you ready? Are you rooted? I can't tell you how big the storm is or how little it is. I'm not trying to guess with God about how deep my roots need to be. I don't want to just get by. I don't want to just live. I want to have life. He says, I didn't, I didn't come to condemn, but I came, I came to give you life. I'm tired of fake flowers just like everybody else is. I'm ready to see a big orchard full of beautiful, real flowers. What a day that will be when we can actually unite as a church, when everybody can start seeking God in one direction and, and Him being our purpose. I'm not here to just draw a crowd on Sunday. It's not what I'm here for. We don't have Friday night lights and we don't teach the kids just so we can be ecstatic about how many numbers we have. It's about the three salvations that were here on Wednesday night. If we were only three people here, it would have been more than worth it. Because it's not about how many fake flowers you can have. It's about the real flowers that want to seek the Lord and seek the light and have life abundant that He came to give us. So today we're going to open all the altars and if, if your view's been askewed or if you've been broken and you need help seeking the light again because you've been thrown off track, today's the day. The altars are open. Come seek the Lord.